Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous-led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at IndigenousVision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. Hey, this is episode 94 of the Indigenous Vision Podcast. Welcome to the show. We are so glad to be here. I am Melissa Spence. We are just on the cusp of the end of June. There's so much going on. So by the way, happy belated birthday. Happy uh, summer solstice. Yes. Oh my goodness. That went by. That Yeah, I, we haven't spoken since then. And I feel it. I feel like we have a lot to catch up on. I've just been like picked up by a tornado and kind of dispersed here and there and, and I'm enjoying it. It's all like good blessings, but it's all it's, good, right? It's been it's like all, 14 yeah. days since the last time we hit record. Wow. Wow. Bummer. <laughs> That's, I want more. Um, what have you been up to? Well, I got a car and I like it and I'm enjoying the luxury of what it's like to have a vehicle for the first time in my life. And it is so amazing. I feel this is going to sound really crazy. I feel cleaner because I'm not on public transit. Like I'm really seeing the different class levels. I've gone up a level. I've been on this lower class level of having no vehicle for my entire life. And now that I have one, I'm like, this is a major difference. I am interacting less with people. I'm finding because I'm not a pedestrian out there in the world anymore. And it's a bit more isolated, but in a good way. I mean, I'm tired of public transit. I'm tired of waiting for buses and taxis and Ubers and all the strangers I have to encounter and all the smells and bacteria. But I'm really enjoying this amazing like Buick that's kind of premium and really sleek and I don't know. I just, I really love it. I, I I'm excited for like the adventures I'm going to have. We're about to get super hot here in Vegas. So I can't be going out during the day too much, but I'm going to go out for the full moon on Monday at nighttime, probably go North where it's a tad bit cooler, but I'm just excited for all the, you know, adventures now I can do with my vehicle. That's so awesome. It is, it is a different lifestyle having yeah, nobody around. And you do feel like, well, you'll find eventually it depends on what kind of car owner you are, because you've never, ever had a car, right? That's never. So, that's so amazing. But it's, it's because you've always lived in a city too. And exactly. Uh, cities are really cool at like public transportation and planning and stuff. But the way America is designed, like if you like you have to live in the inner city, to, to exactly. be a pedestrian. <laughs> now I feel like I can get an apartment in any part of the city because I've always had to take that into consideration. Like, is it close to the, tr- the, the transit rate, the rail or whatever? So now I'm like, I can move somewhere that's like totally amazing and far and not have to worry about where's the bus stop and how am I going to walk from the bus stop to my place? And is it safe? Now I'm worried about like garage safety and parking garage safety and all these different other problems that arise and stress with owner vehicle ownership. That's, that's the worries we ask for though. Right. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, like- We have self-defense kids. Like I'm ready. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, what about you, you've oh been like goodness. so busy. I could barely like get a message through. 
I, I know. And I feel like I've been doing bad at my emails and, and I'm kind of falling behind, but then I also should have, like, I need, I need to let people know that our, our summer field season is really busy with me driving around and collecting this information because there's only like a hundred days of nice weather in Montana. <laughs> yeah. You're like wearing a jacket. It's like almost July and you're still wearing a jacket. <laughs> it's yeah. There was, it was like threatening snow last week. And during my tour, the snow hit down to the 5,000 foot level, I think. So I'm glad Whoa. we were weren't any higher than that, but yeah, it's still rainy and cold. It usually is during my birthday. It's yesterday was a day very much like the day I was born. I was told. (laughs) And And what kind of day was that? It was a, it was kind of like the beginning of a dark and stormy night with lightning and, and big, (gasps) beautiful black storm clouds building up and the the golden sunset. That's so beautiful. I always contemplate the day, the weather of like, when I was born, I was born on a Sunday afternoon and it was just a calm, beautiful (gasps) Sunday summer afternoon. And so I think that's why I love Sunday afternoons. Sunday. That's so you, (laughs) right? You are such a Sunday afternoon. I don't see you as like a dark and stormy, like brewing. Well, it's like a, it's not an ominous dark and stormy. It's like the, the golden sunshine is shining through and everything looks like more brilliant and green and, and, uh, clean because of a fresh rain. That is you (laughs) like (laughs) angelic sunbeams coming through the clouds to, to highlight. And then you still have lightning and you can still see the rain falling in the distance and we are so awesome. Listen to us. <laughs> if we were the weather. <laughs> yeah, right. I would be a Sunday afternoon on a you sunny, are partly such- cloudy Sunday afternoon. That's like no wind, just beautiful. And the flowers are just enjoying the sun and reaching up and everything's getting photosynthesis and growing and soaking Amazing. it all up. Amazing. And mine has the two colors of the dark gray storm clouds and, and the the dark green wet grass. Oh, it's beautiful. My favorite colors. I also saw you deep in Blackfoot country. What were you up to last week? Oh my goodness. So I did my first, one of my only public tours because these places are really hard to get into. I had to call a couple of people and get a couple of permits and have like 12 gates unlocked and have them guide me in. And so, and then I took a uh, that was the first day I I went up to this ridge and um, took Joe Wagner. He's a mountaineering uh, Blackfeet. He he runs Curly Bear hiking tours, and I contracted him because he's a freaking mountain goat and gets up into these tall places. And we went up to these spires, these Rocky Mountain spires, and we saw a mountain that should be called Cave Mountain. It was just speckled with caves and. It was really beautiful. And inside those caves, there's like green mat grass carpets. It's just, that was really beautiful. And we took community members out. And so last year we had a indigenous vision and then uh, Mike Bruised Head, one of the mapping elders I work with through the Kipa Summit, which is the Kainai Ecosystem Protection Association, did their annual conference. I think it was for the first time after COVID this year. And it was a really successful, oh, this is our second year. Uh, and my second tour with Mike. And so he picked out this area in Shoto because it's, it used to be part of the reservation, but there's very minimal Blackfeet signage in the area. And so I go and I talk about our mapping initiative 
and how we're working to change narrative and just be to be more inclusive and just because a lot of the narrative out there of Blackfeet justifies hostility towards us and aggression towards us. And so I think that's dangerous public education to continue. I don't want to take it down. I like, you know, there's no education if we can't see the full spectrum of like ideas, right? <laughs> and so so I think like those Confederate statues that are being taken down. Uh, they should be put somewhere where they could educate us in a public venue, like a museum or something, right? And those proceeds can go to something that uh, is, is, well, continue education of our society, right? But I'm digressing. But that the sign narrative, we go into the narrative of the land, who's there, how long we've been there. And I just, I lose myself in a really good way in these places. Like it's like five days and this time I spent it mostly alone I think uh, Joe came out three days of those days and we would go on like a six hour and and it wasn't, I want to say like came and checked on me and gave me like human interaction. But but when, when he would come out, we'd jump in a truck and then we would drive deeper into the mountains and then just kind of huff and puff up to these mountains. And then I would kind of like just get lost deeper in my thoughts and connecting these stories and these places and working on narrative in my mind and and just kind of reading the land. And I just, it was really beautiful. And then that first day we hiked uh, almost to the base of the tallest peak in the Rocky Mountain front. Uh, and we have the the next day we had our, our the indigenous vision and the Kipa field tour. It was really cool because we had last year, we had a group of elders and youth and community people, college students. This year we had a group of like culture keepers and storytellers and other hikers and guides and outfitters of, of Blackfoot people. And then a couple of like community people who just signed up for the tour, right? Wanted to know more about where they live or, or also notice that there is no Blackfoot narrative on the land. So they were just curious people and educators. So it was really cool to share all the sites and stories and places with people who I know are going to be passing this on in some way. Wow. What a beautiful way to spend the days leading up to your 40th birthday. Like that's, it probably is no better way to do it than that. Oh, I know. It's just, I'm, I'm really, really blessed. I don't even want to question why or how I, I mean, I worked, I put, I put myself here. I, I worked for this, but it's just beautiful. I I'm like, so my favorite part, and I don't know if anybody gets it because my, my imagination I'm really lucky to have not lost my imagination up to my 40th year. Like I used to say, if I can still do a cartwheel, I'm young. And then I think I like stopped trying maybe three years ago. (laughs) So I might try again, but um, I still have my imagination and it's still really active and it can still really entertain me and, and give me some aha moments and connecting my thoughts and experiences. And, and I just like to take people through a, like a, of like a visionary tour of what our land could be like. And so on this Rocky Mountain front, there are probably about 10 or 12 creek tributaries to the Missouri River that leads into the Mississippi that go into the Gulf. And so this Rocky Mountain front area is all pretty ancient, well-used, continuously used Blackfoot land. And we are all over the place. There's so much rock art 
and symbols on the ground, um, ranging from small circles to large arrows and knoppy effigies that stand 35 feet tall. And I always start wandering off too far and thinking like, how did the ancestors know, like, how did they have this bird's eye view? Same with the, the dirt and rock art in, in the Southwest, you know, like how did, like, what is this, Nazca? Is the Nazca lines, something like that. Things you can only see from the sky, really. Mm. And and we do have stories of star beings and sky people in our 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 stories. But I just think about all that that rock art and carns down on the prairies that are camp stories, battlefields, battle stories, graves, camp markers. We we found a pretty active camp that has well. Okay, so here's the. The setting on just one stream. I've only done the North shore of every stream. And on this one stream, I lost count on, of teepee rings at 773. And that's just what I can see from the sky. And that's usually only half of what you find when you're actually walking the land. And so then I was like, wow, if there's like four to six people in each lodge in a camp of 120 people, that's 760 people per camp. And then I started looking at the other streams and the other streams are just as busy. You can't go more than one or two miles downstream before you find another camp of 30 to 100 lodges. And then across on the south side of this one particular stream where my field trip was is a piskin site. And so buffalo jumps this in the one area that we walked were three buffalo jumps and corrals and uh, piskins and kill sites. And so we didn't like wait for the buffalo to come to us we lured them in by prairie burning habitat management and then uh, corralled them with these drive lines into corrals and then would take them when we need them so they were wild bison all the way up until we took them essentially or or did the buffalo jump yeah and so I know you you are what you eat and, and you need to be like I think I think we do have a lot of pride as Blackfoot people because we do have an idea or this unspoken concept similar to you are what you eat. And, and we have guidance from the creator to eat only the split hooved animals, which is bison, antelope, like mountain sheep type things. And so that's what makes us right. That's what makes us strong. And every species out there has like a premium ideal diet and that's ours. But I'm uh, so excited for everything. <laughs> this, this sounds this is, amazing. This is making me hungry. Um, so across the stream was these buffalo jumps and corrals. My stomach just growled and piskins and and um, so we weren't starving. Across the, the stream was these hundreds of camps. We found a transfer site, which is marked by a very large arrow on the ground of a significant medicine bundle transfer. So it was holy ground we were standing on and it was just so beautiful. And I like to close my eyes and I invited everybody to do it too. And I don't know if they took me seriously, but like, this is what I do when I go out and I sit for hours in the middle of nowhere. And I just kind of close my eyes and I imagine all the activity around me. And it doesn't feel like time is real anymore then because you start to feel how busy things are. And if it's dusk time, and I feel like I would be one of the women up in the war lodges. And so up on the slopes, all the way from the tippy top of the Rocky Mountains are Carnes and warriors surveying 
surveillance protecting. And then just down on the ridge from there, the slope, our war, war camps with our warriors ready to dispatch at any moment, surveying, watching. And the benefit of our, our territory is that these slopes are so high. We can see people coming from like four or five days away. There's no sneaking up on wow. us. And then once we see you coming in, we have all kinds of rock huts, war lodges, shelters, strategy for luring you in and getting you right where we want you to ambush. And so don't you dare be a war party in Blackfoot territory. Travelers are okay. <laughs> Messengers are okay. So maybe some, hun- some, some gatherers and some hunters if things are abundant, right? Good times. But don't be a war party in that part of our territory because you will get got. And so <laughs> I like thinking of sitting up on those ridges and slopes, like watching my people downstream and it's dusk and the stars are coming out and all along those lines outside the camps and from within the teepee are just flickering flames. So then you have these stars flickering above and the dusk happening and the moon coming up and the flames flickering. And I just, they are, I I think in a way it's like super healing to think of my ancestors like that in a time of peace and abundance. It is. It truly is. Wow. That's so beautiful. It makes you want to go jump in Flathead Lake. That's what I've been thinking about a lot too, because it's getting super hot here. And I'm like, wow, I really need to jump in a lake. I think you need to drive up here, like for your first major road trip. I think so too. I was looking at, I've been looking at maps like crazy too. Now that I, I'm like, I can go anywhere. I don't have like a time limit and I can just do whatever I want now. I should head up North when it gets super hot here. There's just so much to do. I'm going back to Canada in like a month. So I'm also craving the pickerel fish and I'm like getting excited to eat some of the foods from up there that are truly unique for this time of the year too because everything's in bloom and it just seems like everyone's having a good summer everywhere it's -hmm. like a really good season right now so I'm I'm feeling it I love it I love it too and you know I couldn't be any prouder I got home so I always like to get paid on my birthday. I, I don't know. Maybe it's my poor people response. Like I must always be working right and productive. I don't know, but I like to work on my, my birthdays and I like to make over five G's. Wow. That's a good one. So, um, yes, I do take jobs on my birthday if they pay well. I have been doing that for, for the past few years. And so yesterday I took a meeting, um, in Browning, to look at making this like tourist and visitor center and, and just tossing around ideas. And, you know, that's my, like, that's, that's my strong part is ideation and idea machine stuff. And so I really enjoyed that. And I got to meet with a lot of people in the community that I really enjoy working with. And I love hearing from them and all the other projects that they're involved in are pretty amazing. And it's pretty cool to like, think of, think of all the things that you could show off about your people while maintaining that appreciation and avoiding the exploitation and competitiveness. Like we don't want internal competitiveness, competition in this center to, to benefit the people who will be living there for all 12 months out of the year and not just the tourists that are coming through. But I got home, I made a, I raced home from the meeting uh, to make it before sunset because Onan had a surprise for me and he kept this surprise for a week and he wouldn't tell me. And I kept trying to 
negotiate with him and get it out of him like he's gonna tell me like it's a secret you can't keep secrets like you gotta tell me he's like nope nope I'd be a bad baby if I told you <laughs> that's so adorable and so he's I'm like grown up. it is listen to this I was even like trying to get it from his dad like what's on in planning like should I be prepared and he's like eh, it's a surprise and he's having me run all over town and he's <laughs> So Onan was busy planning this like super epic birthday night out. And he showed me that he has listened to me since the day he was born yesterday. Like he went and got me a gluten-free cupcake from Bernice's bakery, which is one of my favorite like boutique bakery cupcakes. They're really good. You can't tell they're vegan. You can't tell they're gluten-free. Like they're just moist and yummy and delicious and then put together this little package and it's just the cutest he got me a Ulta gift card to get ready wow Mm -hmm. and a bag of coffee because that's (gasps) my fuel and then uh, AMC gift cards for a Mm. movie and then a gift card to one of my favorite one of the nicest steakhouses in in town And then this little boy was sad because he couldn't find a place to rent a tuxedo and a 1940 yellow taxi cab. Who is he? I know. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I haven't seen him in like a year. And he's like this totally grown up little guy. He's he's like, I couldn't find the 1940s vintage cab mom. (laughs) Whoa. I know that's amazing can can you imagine like the beautiful date that I'm like you just stay this man and you yeah you that's amazing you will never be around an unhappy woman it's not that we take it's not that we take money but like he just showed me that he was listening to me not for just one thing but for years right like wow that's amazing I'm so glad you had a wonderful birthday yeah it was beautiful I'm still and then I made it to my dog training this morning and and oh the only sad part is like um I'm finding out Ituma is is not a hiker oh I know and he like seriously needed help hiking (laughs) and I don't and because like half of our other programs are are hiking and place mapping um besides the the programs we're getting him ready for I don't like I he's going to be rehomed. And well, um, sometimes dogs just need to run in a field and play with balls. <laughs> he is a house dog. I'm yeah. thinking like my, I spent two and a half months with him, three months, I think. And um, he, I think he prioritized his cuddles and wanting to be a lap dog with me. Like, I think that's who he decided I was going to be for him. And he was working great. He, he was working kind of doing intensive training with these two uh, trainers at working dogs for conservation, but just, I think he preferred me to cuddle as a cuddler. And, and so I need a dog that will like hike and he's, um, is what's called crittery and critter crittering is like, is their, their bred instinct. Right. So this dog, uh, Cocker Spaniel, I think is designed to go get birds and fish them out and bring them back to you. I think is mm. their natural instinct to do. So they're like the the hound, the little cute looking hound dog. But I think the queen has them. They might be like, I think they're somewhere in between like a rat terrier 
and a hound dog somewhere in there. And they got their own critters training working dogs to go against their natural instincts. I've heard is very, very tricky and hard. And I'm a green trainer. And so I, the strategy is adjusted to putting me with dogs that have been working for several years and are good at their jobs and are, or are training and are pretty good at, at their training so far and just working with me in my leash work and just keeping continuing my training, but not too green, a, a green dog and a green handler together was really tough. I bit off a lot, but I learned so much about, especially about the Cocker Spaniel breed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, here's to a new partner then in the future for your adventures on the ancient mountains. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have to be a special, mm-hmm. a special hiking dog. Oh. And I can relate to just wanting to lay around. I mean, I'm that kind of, <laughs> I'd be that kind of dog too. If I was a dog, I'd be like, I just want to play and cuddle and eat. Oh yeah. Well, he's, he's so much <laughs> of a critter that he doesn't know off like he just will run up and down the mountain if I let oh. him and as, and then we'll go nine miles and he's like I'm ready for another nine let's go <laughs> adorable he's super cute he's super cute we miss it Duma. But I'm he- having an event this week which I'm pretty excited for the indigenous pride event is happening right. here in Vic it's a second annual I went last year as a spectator I was just kind of like hanging around in the shadows being a weirdo just seeing what the community looks like and this year I am officially a vendor as indigenous vision so we got invited and we're gonna have a table and we're gonna hand out the rest of my self-defense kits and I also have a very special Trixie cosmetics giveaway that I'm gonna be doing because I wanted to show extra love to the you know brown queer community so I got like this oh makeup it's got like press on nails and lashes and gloss and blush that I'll be giving away so it's totally you know gender neutral anybody could wear it it's it's gonna be up for grabs this Friday at the center for LGBTQ+. A S two S. Holy so, Shirley, you remembered it. You're bad. I know. I, I'm You're getting bad. better. I'm trying to be, I'm really trying to like be in the community. And I've always been a supporter of, you know, queer culture. And it's been like my safe space as a as a partier going in my 20s. I love the gay clubs and I've just always loved the queer culture. So it's been a big part of my life, especially drag culture, the way I look. I love makeup. I'm a I'm you know I'm an over-exaggerated woman. So it just it just has always felt right. So I'm really, really excited to put more self-defense uh, kits together. I actually have like 90 extra Kubatons. So I just wow. bought some little like heart keychains to add onto those. So everybody who comes can get something. And then what I think I'm going to do is play like a video on my iPad at the table of just how to use a Kubaton and what to yeah. do with it. Because yeah. I don't want people to be like, well, what do I do with it? And just mm-hmm. have this video on replay showing what you can do. Because I don't know the the violence right now that's targeting the queer community is just it's hard to process for me so this is my way of showing up and being like this is what I have to offer my love is pretty much all I have at this point so this is this is me loving the queer community this Friday for like four hours candies self-defense kits and a makeup giveaway from indigenous vision so that's what we'll be doing that's so beautiful and awesome i want <laughs> right? to go sign up i want to go sign Joy. up conflict of interest dang it <laughs> I wanna... so that's where i'll be this friday i'm gonna do like you know the whole instagram thing and check it out but i'm gonna post this asap 
That so that's awesome. that's what we've been up to like the past two weeks. It's really, really impressive, I think. We're doing really well. Oh, I just, yeah, I love the Mistucky because those are the mountains. And as a watershed manager, like I, people... I don't know if people see the connection or the meaning in my job, but I think that's traditional ecological knowledge. And I'm up in the mountains collecting stories. And I don't know if people make the connection, like how that protects water. It's depending on the story, right? Is it a place name? Like we call this one place Tabor because in our language, I don't know the word for it right now, but it's, it's called where we go to eat <laughs> mm. like the table. And we, we, we didn't know this guy, Tabor. I think it was a guy's name, Tabor, who was there. And we thought they were saying table, table, where you go to eat. So there's those place names that are on my map. But then there's also like creation stories that start at the top of the mountain or at a headwater source of a, of a river. Those are super important places in the mountains that help protect the streams down below because they're not only cultural, culturally significant stories, but they're like origin stories of an entire cultural belief for those places to stay intact and for the stories to be told the way they've always been told. The places need to stay intact. That's how I honor my grandpa's legacy. Like this all started as like an elder in your pocket. I wanted to share uh, the impact that my grandpa had on me in my life in that when I was, you know, got the opportunity to be his driver for a few years here and there, just driving around, it was always, there was very rarely any silence because we were either singing Johnny Cash and really old country tunes, or we were, he was pointing out the, the land and the hills and the river and the sights to me of this battle happened here. There's a medicine wheel up there. We put all of our graves here. Uh, there are still things there and just telling me what to watch out for and what to care for and how important that was to us and our people and our ceremonial ways. Yeah. I just, I just am so, I love it. I love my job. I worked my way to this, but I, I wish that there was more funding because I always say, you know, there's lots of other mappers. I think altogether like 16, 17 mappers all throughout the Blackfoot Confederacy and we're all doing amazing things. And, and we need, every tribe needs that collective memory to have like a full uh, spectrum idea of their history. Because the way I say it is like, you know, we have teepees and outdoor like arbor arena things for our events. Other people have long houses or, um, you know, whatever housing structure you have, the Hogans. But every native person in that event is hearing something differently, filtering it differently based on their cultural ceremonial affiliations and how they interpret things and what, what they're supposed to care for. And then also like proximity to the speaker, you know, you might miss things, people miss things, and then placement from the speaker. So you could be sitting right next to the storyteller and see and feel all those emotions and then tell it like that or you could be sitting across and away from the storyteller and only catch part of it but what that turns out to be 300 years later is side stories because you always have that elder that leans over and says remember that place that I told you about during this story and that's how these get connected and I think that's why you know nobody and their grandparents is wrong and there isn't enough mappers 
and there isn't enough cultural storytellers and keepers to get out to do enough tours to pay everybody to get there. Like I, I do pray for money because it's the resource that we need to get our people out there, especially our, our younger children and our elders who lack the resources or don't have a car or need their school program to get a bus together to bring them out to these events. Mm -hmm. But it does take, you know, material paper. (laughs) That's the system we're operating under. You know what? And I always laugh at the memes that say, I just need like 400 K and like all my problems will go away. It's true. It is true. And I do like, I'm like, I will, I will take a different income level of stress and problems. (laughs) Heck yeah. I've experienced like tummy hurting, wondering where you're going to get your food from problems. And that's like, you know, there's that meme of like, you can't tell those people money can't buy happiness. Cause man, if I have just had a happy meal, I would be happy. <laughs> it can to a certain degree. I know for sure that I am, I am much happier with oh, yeah. the situation I have. I got all the things I need. I know it sounds materialistic, but it really helps. I no. feel I am stable. And we shouldn't be, um, you know, I think systemically, internally, systemically, we're, and, and this is probably a lot from residential schools as well as this programming to be ashamed of, of things where in our communities, well, my community specifically is we were proud of people and their accomplishments. Like we made time for people to tell their stories of triumph and victory. We call them coup stories and we give people their time and it's more than 15 minutes. And then we continue to honor them. You know, they just don't get their 15 minutes of fame. Like they tell those four stories and then we always remember it. So uh, in part of those days that I was lost in the mountains in a good way, (laughs) um, I went to a mountain renaming ceremony and a capturing ceremony and Waterton uh, National Park in Alberta was just so amazing without question, without hesitating and without no time passing. They immediately said, yes, we're going to rename this ridge called Bimmy Ridge to Crow Chief Ridge. And I think it's my Stuinastico, my Crow Chief Ridge. And uh, one of my previous students at Blood Tribe Lands worked in the Environment and Lands Water Department was the soldier who had seen war, took the name and told his four stories of, of escaping death and having his miracles and, you know, his victories. And we all got to cheer him on and praise him for those moments where he was, you know, he had divine interception or something just that shouldn't have happened, happened. And, and he's standing with us today to tell the story about it. And it's not bragging. It's not, you know, there, so it's a really good way to be proud. And, and I feel like to a certain extent, similar to that at cultural aspect, we also, because I, I feel guilty sharing my experiences to a point before, for people who don't get to experience these, but then I, I think about, I grew up on $300 a month, like before bills and wow, you know, I, I can talk about this and I think it's good that I talk about this because there are people out there living on $300 a month who are really hurting and wondering if things will ever get better. Yeah. I felt bad sharing my getting a new car video. Yeah, I really did. I was like, this is my first car. I want to post it on the internet. And then I felt like, oh, here I am 
quote unquote flexing. Bla- bragging. Yeah. Like, no, this is, you've never had a car before. And, never. And you don't, yeah. The, to truly have no car, our infrastructure and our city layouts and our city planning is really not designed in any way for that. Like Europe has a tram system that connects countries, which is freaking amazing. And, and it's like super speed. And I always thought our interstates could be that, but uh, we are, you know, you got to follow the money and the industry that's controlling infrastructure right now and government decision and, and policy making is, is the oil and gas industry. And so that's our system and that's what we mm-hmm. live in. And so we could um, choose like ultimate resistance and complete refusal. Uh, but there's four hours between <laughs> family and jobs and work and people I love. Yeah. And, and, and that's the way the towns were designed. And, you know, I, that's the way the reservation was designed and reservations, like they put typically warring tribes together, hoping we'd finish each other off. And then they put like, I don't think that the Blackfoot nations being more than an hour and a half, well, blood tribe and Blackfeet are, are the closest. They used to go to the border and be connected at one point. And that was lost. And now there's like a 45 minute drive of non-reservation land after you cross the border to the next reservation. But there's a reason they put an hour in between all of us to disconnect us, to disempower us, to strategize any uprisal, uh, defeating any uprisal that we might have. And I know because my grandpa was charcoal. He was one of those last warriors trying to fight and strategize. (laughs) Me too, grandpa. <laughs> me, yeah. too. me too. Don't be ashamed to get the bag. Don't be ashamed. No, do your praise holler. And then the right people will praise holler with you. Thanks for checking out the Indigenous Vision podcast presented by Indigenous Vision. We are an educational nonprofit based out of Arizona and Montana. And this is our official podcast. This is just one of the projects that we do have going on. If you would like to explore more of what we do, visit our website, indigenousvision.org. You can also sign up for our cultural humility training that's coming up this October 17th. All are welcome to attend. Again, thank you for listening to the IV Podcast.